I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist. And this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world. And it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. I am so excited. You are listening to perhaps the most important podcast, Communication in the world right now. And I am not exaggerating. We are in crisis. The temperature is rising. Animals are killing over and dying. Uh, thousands and thousands of cows killed over and died from the heat in Kansas. I just talked to a woman in Texas who says that she's worried about her animals because it's so hot. It's 108 degrees in the evening. We've got drought. We've got aridification. We've got ocean dead zones. We, with the rising temperatures, are going to see massive crop failures. Geopolitical developments are also restricting food sources to millions of people. Children are dying of malnutrition and starvation as we speak in Somalia and Afghanistan and other places. And there's an easy solution. Does the mainstream media talk about it? Heck no. Why? Well, look at the advertisers. Meat, dairy, pharmaceuticals, fast food. So we have a man now from Israel, outside of Jerusalem, Yonatan Golan, who is creating a product through his company, Breville, that will revolutionize the food system. I am so excited to talk to you, Yonatan. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Tell me, what is Breville, your company, and what is it making? What the heck is microalgae? Hi, Jane. It's really, I'm really excited to be here uh, and talking about a subject which, which is really close to my heart. So I'm, I'm also I'm a bit vegan for the past decade. And everything you talk about is exactly, is exactly to the point um, and is, is, is actually the reason why I'm doing what, what we're doing in Breville. Uh, and uh, my name, I, I, in Israel, we say Yonatan, uh, uh, but Yonatan, uh, Jonathan is all fine as well. So basically what we do, we... We solve the challenge of producing sustainable protein uh, for our nutrition um, in a truly sustainable way and much more efficient than anything else available today. We use microalgae, uh, which are basically microscopic plants, if you will, that grow exponentially fast and need very little resources. Basically, these are the first organisms that manage to use external energy from Earth to grow uh, very efficiently uh, 2 billion years ago. I mean, these are the first organisms that did phot photosynthesis. Um, and uh, until today, they are considered to be this uh, relatively, un, 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 um, I may say, disgusting even, uh, source of a protein. I mean, they're, they're used by, by athletes or by um, health fanatics. Uh, but the, the costs are just too high and the, the taste is not, not relevant for mainstream industry. And we managed to solve both these challenges, both the cost and flavor, to bring to the world a, a nutritional uh, protein source, which is truly sustainable, tasty, is non-allergenic, and at costs that are just relevant for the food industry at, at mass scale. 
So when you say, and this is a problem I have with all these incredible products. Look, if people were rational, we'd all be vegan because animal agriculture is destroying our planet. The New York Times reported that while we'll never know for sure, just like we never know with criminal cases, unless there's videotape for sure what exactly happened, the overwhelming evidence points to, and they have concluded that in basically beyond a reasonable doubt, the pandemic started at a wet market, which is a retail slaughter market in Wuhan, China, just like other pandemics have, have originated from other um, wet markets in other provinces in China. And it's not just China. We have more than 100 wet markets in New York City. We have uh, dozens here in Los Angeles. It's a global problem. And we have the uh, six million people were killed approximately so far with this pandemic. Does anybody in the media talk about the fact that eating animals causes pandemics? No, no, because look at the advertisers. So um, if we could get the whole world to just go vegan and start eating whole food plant based, we wouldn't have be having this conversation. But that's not happening, unfortunately, while vegan products are skyrocketing. Uh, so is meat consumption with the rising global population. So where does microalgae fit in and why the heck does it have that name? Why can't we call it something that sounds tasty? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, microalgae is the better side of, of naming. Some strains of microalgae are called uh, cyanobacteria, which sounds even worse. That's worse. <laughs> so microalgae is, is a good, uh, a good uh, name in the middle. Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, first, it's easy to say that. I mean, we as vegans, I mean, we're used to eating vegan, vegan food. I enjoy it. I mean, I, I don't need my food to look like a meat burger or, or like chicken or like uh, vegan uh, or like real eggs or anything like that. I'm really happy with eating uh, rice and legumes and vegetables. I mean, it's completely healthy. And this is, in my, my perspective, the best diet. But unfortunately, I mean, I, I just sat on a panel a few weeks ago in uh, New York and an alternative protein conference. And what I said, I mean, eventually people don't eat sustainability. I mean, as, as much as we would like that, people eat tasty food, which is affordable. And until we can provide food that is really tasty and really uh, feels like what people are used to at an affordable cost, we won't have a solution. I mean, we can talk about sustainability day in, day out, but we won't have a true solution until we provide good food. And well, people don't me, just- can I, can I jump in? We absolutely. are providing good food. Food is absolutely delicious. I mean, I have people who are not vegan come over here and they eat the Beyond Meat burgers and they eat the Impossible burgers. And then there's gourmet chefs. The top restaurant, considered the best restaurant in the world, 11 Madison Park went uh, plant-based, went vegan. Um, you have- gourmet cooking shows now. You've got a, a vegan food contest that's going to come on the Food Network with Tabitha Brown. I mean, we are making great food. As far as affordability, well, the U.S. government is subsidizing the meat and dairy industry. The average hamburger meat burger would cost a huge amount more. And we've heard estimates, everything from, you know, eight to $25 a burger if it wasn't heavily subsidized by the US government. But what really struck me was when somebody, it was actually Klaus Mitchell of Plant-Based News who was doing like a TED talk said, when we start producing clean meat, slaughter-free meat, cell-based meat, whatever you want to call it, and I'll throw your algae in there in the mix, at scale, in giant vats, 
It's going to be only about the price of sugar water. It's going to be cheaper than even the heavily subsidized meat and dairy products. And that's when we're going to see the shift. So we have to build in the fact that the U.S. government, which has been completely co-opted by the meat, dairy and pharmaceutical industries. I mean, the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, is run by a dairy industry trade group leader, Tom Vilsack. He's not going to embrace uh, plant based uh, dairy alternatives. He represents the dairy industry. So putting that aside, uh, what really struck me was that this could be the ultimate solution because it's even cheaper at scale than the heavily subsidized meat and dairy. Can you address that? So another big uh, issue that the food industry, that the vegan food industry has is the nutritional value of the product. I mean, in the attempt to mimic existing, to mimic cheese, to mimic yogurt, you mimic milk, mimic meat. Um, the, the first concerns for consumers, again, are cost and, uh, and flavor, and then also texture. Um, nutritional value still isn't a top priority because the other uh, top priorities are still not, I mean, now they're, they're, now they're starting, starting to be met. I mean, as I say, uh, Beyond Meat is tasty enough. It has a good enough cost. It's good enough texture. All of these other products, they have like uh, Oatly Milk, Shobani products. I mean, all of these products are great products in terms of flavor, cost, and texture. But if you look at all of these products, uh, put, putting meat alternatives aside, which are a bit easier, but like oatly milk, an amazing product, is basically sugar and water. Vegan cheese, basically starch and yeast. I mean, I have three small children and they eat, I, I give them rice milk with their cereals in the morning. And unfortunately, um, I mean, this, I, I, I give them uh, rice milk, but I'm not happy with, the, with the, the nutritional value. And the reason the nutritional value is not high enough is that uh, the existing protein sources, uh, which are mostly uh, pea and soy, their flavors are just too strong to be relevant for these applications. I mean, if you, if you try to, to increase the, the protein content in, in, uh, in oatly milk, you will get uh, a well, milk product which <laughs> tastes like, like beans. Let me just say this. I never put down any vegan products because they're so much better than dairy. 65% at least, maybe more, of uh, the global population, certainly the global majority, is allergic to dairy products. Okay, the National Institutes of Health admit this. So feeding people dairy is feeding something they're, to a large degree, very likely allergic to, and that is uh, very, very bad. And additionally, it's packed with cholesterol. It's packed with uh, other things like uh, concentrated chemicals, pesticides, the antibiotic uh, problems that we have, all of those things. So in my book, any vegan product is 100% better than any uh, meat or dairy-based product. So let's, let's just talk about what's good about your product um, yeah. because I've got Oatly in my refrigerator and I love it and I drink it all the time. But that being said... Um, let's talk about microalgae. Let's talk about why your product is the miracle product, in your opinion, that is going to revolutionize uh, the entire food system. Because what struck me, when I think algae, I think fishy taste. But you're saying that it's a neutral taste. It's very high in protein. And it doesn't have things like pesticides and antibiotics. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, then you're absolutely correct. Um, and th this, this is exactly the, um, the, the solution of the problem I just uh, brought up. I mean, your oatly milk in your fridge, 
uh, doesn't provide you the protein you, you need. And this is exactly yeah, sweet protein. Let's leave all Lee out of it. But thank this, you. Go ahead, sir. But this this is exactly what we managed to solve with our product. And as you say, usually you think of macroalgae, you think of this green powder or green mm -hmm. something that has a very uh, uh, marine flavor. And this is nothing close to what we provide. We actually provide uh, a protein source, which is very neutral in flavor and in color, which is based, we, we use microalgae to, to produce this protein um, and is very neutral um, and, and blends perfectly well in all of these products I mentioned and can increase the nutritional value without changing flavor, without changing color, without, without changing texture, without, without changing cost significantly for the end consumer to levels which, which consumers are willing to buy. I mean, these are very affordable costs we're able to produce. And this is thanks to a, a unique technology we developed, which is nothing uh, uh, close to, what, to, what, to how microalgae is produced today. Usually microalgae, I mean, I don't know how technical to go with the details of the technology, but maybe I'll just give a very high level overview. Today, microalgae grown in outdoor ponds, usually. I mean, really huge ponds or outdoor uh, systems like tubes or panels where they use uh, sunlight and CO2 to grow very efficiently. But in these outdoor systems, the costs are typically too high and you cannot control flavors efficiently. So you get this, exactly this green, expensive, uh, non-tasty product. Um, the, the alternative is to grow microalgae using sugar. The similar way you would, you would grow yeast. Uh, you add sugar to the process in large, very large stainless steel tanks they're, not, uh, not, they're not, not affected by weather or by climate changes. And then microalgae grow uh, extremely more efficiently, about 100 times faster than in outdoor systems. But the way they're grown today in outdoor system, in, in, sorry, in fermentation, uh, it's in dark systems. So you, can, you do not produce all of the ingredients and functionalities that are only produced in the presence of light. You get very low cost, high yields of microalgae but very poor, both in uh, nutritional value and commercial value. And what we managed to develop for the first time globally is the combination of these two kinds of systems. We use both sugar and light in a single process in very large stainless steel tanks and can produce affordable microalgae, which also rich about, with all of these ingredients, nutrients, and functionalities that are only produced in the presence of light. And by, by precisely controlling the cultivation process, we can produce microalgae, which are very neutral in, in, in color and in flavor, which, bring, which makes them a solution for the average consumer products in the market. Well, let me ask you a question, because this is so fascinating, but I think most people like to visualize a project, a product. So what does it look like? Is it, if you had to compare it to something, would it, would it be like bread? Would it be like tofu? Would it be like a fruit, like if you could describe it, or are you saying that it's something that you produce in giant vats that can be turned into anything? I, I'm really trying to break that down because not being scientific myself, um, I, I see you, you talk about, you know, your patented technology and a fermentation process and um, indoor stainless steel reactors that are um, compatible with any location and environment. I, I, all I can picture so far are these giant vats of stainless steel, something in them, but what's in them and what is it, how does it translate into actual food that could be on somebody's plate? Right, so we are uh, what is called the B2B company. So our customers 
or the Nestle's, the Unilever's, the Kraft Heinz's of the world, we do not we do not produce and market the end products. We provide to all of these food manufacturers globally. We provide them this solution for increasing the nutritional value of their products without changing any other property of the for the end consumer. Um, so we we are a solution provider for all of these different companies. If you want, it's like Intel. Intel doesn't sell computers, but Intel provides the the brain behind the computer. And this is exactly what we do. All of the products that will be in the market very soon, will be, uh, will have a prevalent side uh, stamp on them to show that this is the quality that we, that we uh, stand behind uh, with the nutritional value that consumers today demand. Wow, we've got a caller, Paige. Uh, your question or thought for Jonathan. Yes, yes, this is so revolutionary. And my question to you is, I've been reading about assimilation of protein, uh, plant protein products. I'm curious about how our bodies uh, will be assimilating this, uh, this particular product. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm not sure if I understood exactly your question, but I'm, if, if I understood you're asking how would our, how would our body um, Well, is it healthy? Is it healthy? Like people are always scared of something. Microalgae, um, you know, it, yeah. the unknown, when it's a question mark, even if it's unhealthy, people look at it and go, okay, I understand that product. But until they understand it, I think there's <laughs> going to be some hesitancy about consuming it because they don't really know what they're consuming. So you're saying this microalgae is extremely high in protein and it's going to be literally injected into foods. Like, let's just, can you give me an example? Because I apologize, I'm not a scientist. If I can visualize it, I think I could really, and I think, you know, this is something you're probably going to have to break down for the general population in order for them to embrace this product is for them to be able to have a visualization of what it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So our product basically looks like, like powder. If you want, it's very similar to nutritional yeast. Uh, some people are familiar with it. Just a powder which contains more than 60% protein naturally. Um, and it's, this is not just your, your visualization of injecting it into food is not the right way to look at it. Today, for example, uh, Beyond Meat use pea protein in their, to produce their burgers. So they have a mix of different products. They mix them around in large machines and produce these uh, uh, burgers made out of, I mean, the, 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 the nutritional value comes from pea. By the way, in meat alternatives, this is not a big issue because you can mask uh, the strong flavors of pea, of pea and soy with so many spices. So that's not a big issue today with uh, meat alternatives. Uh, Impossible Foods, also, they use soy protein. They buy, they buy soy protein as a powder, just mix it with the other ingredients to produce their burgers. Um, this is the same way I, almost, every, almost every processed product out there today is produced. You get different powders, you mix them together, add water, and you have a final product. So what, what from our factories, what goes out are just large bags of, 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 gra of grounded microalgae powder. It's just, this is the, the way our... our product goes to our food uh, manufacturing partners. Um, in terms of, of, of healthy, of, of healthiness of our product, this is extremely healthy uh, source of protein. It's not only protein, but has uh, excellent uh, uh, additional uh, ingredients such as B12, uh, omega-3 fatty acids, and a variety of other vitamins and nutritional ingredients included in the microalgae itself. So, and this, this, these are uh, uh, sources of nutrition that have been consumed for many decades, probably centuries, and maybe even millennia, 
in, in East Asia. I mean, this is something well, well known in, in China and Japan and Korea. I mean, this, and specifically the microalgae strains we use today are the exact same ones that have been used for many uh, decades and centuries by, by people that um, probably know what, what is healthy for our, for our body. I mean, and, and the protein itself is a full amino acid profile. I mean, it's, it's a full, full protein, very healthy. It has all of the essential uh, ingredients in it. Uh, I mean, my, my kids, I bring some of the powder home and my kids just eat it as, it, as is, like, similar to nutritional yeast. And, uh, let me it's ask tasty, you, it's healthy. Yeah, let me ask you this question then. What are the ingredients in it? In other words, you have these giant vats and they're stainless steel. What exactly is going in that is creating this microalgae? So just, uh, just to be clear, uh, first, what, what goes out is just pure microalgae. There's no added ingredient in there, just microalgae as, as it grows naturally. Uh, to, to grow it efficiently, what we do is first we provide uh, sugar, similar to how you would grow yeast. And if you grow yeast with beer, you provide the yeast with sugar, it grows very quickly, produces the alcohol you want. I mean, this is in the case of yeast. In our case, we, go, we give the microalgae sugar. It grows extremely fast, and they can double in, in, in amount every 12 hours, even sometimes faster. Um, and we provide additional very basic nutrients that the plants outside need, like nitrogen um, and other essential ingredients that plants need. And we add light in the process. So the microalgae also grow extremely efficiently. And using light, they produce all of the healthy uh, and functional ingredients alongside protein and other products. Let me ask um, you this question, and it's probably a dumb question, but again, trying to get to the heart of it, because I do feel that ultimately you might have to be able to explain all this for people to embrace it, uh, to really understand it. Where does the microalgae come from initially? What's the initial source? Right, so if, if you put a bucket of water outside in your backyard and wait a week, you would see it turn, turning a bit greenish. This is because microalgae grow in it. Microalgae exist in every corner of our planet, from um, in, in salt, uh, in the salty oceans, in lakes, in rivers, in ponds, in, in ice, wherever there is a bit humidity, a microalgae thrive. They grow, they grow, they're even found in the Sahara Desert. In some places, they use uh, night dew to grow. Um, and they, I mean, there, there is an est the estimate is that in, in an earth, there exist about 500,000 different strains of microalgae. I mean, they've been here for 2 billion years. Um, and so there, there are companies and people that go scouting for new sources, for new strains of microalgae, looking different places, um, set, um, trying to isolate them uh, from different locations. Basically what we do is we, we I mean, now you, you, you can go now online and buy a small vial for $250, of your, of your, of your desired strain and start growing it at home. I mean, this is exactly what we, we once, we, we bought a commercially available strain of microalgae and now it's ours to grow as much as we want. Uh, we, we keep it, I mean, we keep some backups in the fridge and then we can use it to grow as much as we like in our systems. I mean, and we just keep it on a small Petri dish, um, similar to how you would keep uh, yeast or, or seeds for that sense. And the additional benefit of this, it's 100% vegan. It's not like Absolutely. lab meat, which uses the cell of an animal um, or some 
microscopic element of an animal to create like a library of whatever the essential ingredients are to grow that, replicate that animal, uh, commonly known as lab meat or clean meat or slaughter-free meat. Now, uh, not so long ago in Singapore, I believe, the first lab meat, clean meat, slaughter-free meat chicken was served because Singapore approved it and it came with a lot of fanfare and news reports. Um, and people will ask, well, when's it coming to the United States? But there's a whole bunch of complicated approval processes. And of course, given the fact that the U.S. government is pretty much co-opted by the meat, dairy and pharmaceutical industry, they're going to make that very hard, probably. What about microalgae? Uh, what is uh, required for it to become um, something that, like like you said, nutritional yeast? I put it on every salad, on every rice bowl, on every I have nutritional yeast, nooch we call it. Again, why that name? I'll never know. We've got to get a naming committee naming these things better because nutritional yeast is delicious and nutritious, but it has a terrible name. Um, And uh, so uh, what's the approval process for this becoming ubiquitous globally, or at least in the United States? It's already approved. I mean, it's, it's just a plant. Basically, it's a single cell plant. Today, I mean, today you can go to a shop and buy spirulina. Spirulina is one kind of microalgae. Some people are familiar with spirulina. I mean, it's, spirulina is, unfortunately, it's not really tasty and it's pretty expensive. So it's used mostly by athletes. We don't grow spirulina. We don't grow a different strain of microalgae. But the strain we grow is already approved. I mean, it's already, as I said, it, it has been consumed in Japan for many years. Um, it's approved in Europe. It's pr- approved in the U.S. We don't have to go any, through any approval process. You can, we can get, just grow it efficiently and set it uh, to, food, to food manufacturers. And this is exactly what we're doing. That's exciting and very hopeful. Now, the headlines today are so disturbing because of geopolitical conflicts, the Ukraine situation and climate change. Hunger is a real threat to millions of people. There are children who are suffering malnutrition and dying of hunger right now as we speak. And it's, it's a crime because it doesn't have to happen. Uh, meat is obviously the most inefficient food source uh, ever invented because when you look at animals, what they're doing is eating all the time when they're especially they're kept confined so that all they do is accumulate calories. They don't want them to move around because what happens when you move around, you burn calories. So essentially, um, they're from their birth, they're being fattened up for slaughter. And that means they're eating continuously. Uh, the majority of soy grown in the United States, is my understanding, is fed to farmed animals, along with antibiotics. Uh, so uh, getting back to your product, um, with the global hunger situation that we're facing, uh, why isn't every government under the sun embracing this and using this to feed starving children right now? Yeah, so, yeah, um, why I don't know the, the answer, but, but yes, I mean, microalgae in our systems, a very big benefit is that they can be grown anywhere on this planet. In desert areas, in cold countries up north, which cannot grow uh, farm, cannot grow crops efficiently, um, it's it's uh, it's a variant to to droughts or to climate change, um, and can be grown. I mean, basically, we can have a whole factory built just just outside, just on the other side of the fence of the of the of Nestle factories, if you will. I mean, transportation won't be, won't be such a big issue. 
if we can grow macroalgae anywhere on this planet and not only in, in Brazil, not only using the Brazilian rainforest to grow soy, um, and then ship it from there all over the, the, the planet. I mean, we're, now we're talking with, with groups from the, from, for, just for example, from the UAE, who are interested in building facilities, factories to grow macroalgae because they cannot grow any other crop in their, in, in their geography. Um, I mean, uh, that the future will be based on growing food in such large stainless steel uh, reactors, if we like it or not. Of course, <laughs> that's what we believe uh, is the, the solution. Wow. We are talking to Yonatan Golan, who is joining us from Israel. We're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live here on Facebook. You are watching... Unchained TV's Voice America Radio broadcast. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel it's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health wealth and happiness are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts then tune in to the forbes factor with celebrity tv host and inspirational icon forbes riley she's a best-selling author and tv fitness expert and you know her from qvc and hsn now she brings her expert advice and guests to the voice america influencers channel tune in live every wednesday at 11 a.m pacific time and 2 p.m eastern time for the forbes factor we get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Now back to the show. We are here with Yonatan Golan. 
who is the founder of Breville, a revolutionary product out of Israel that is going to change the world, solve potentially the hunger problem and help mitigate climate change. Uh, It's so efficient. It's so nutritious. It's clean. It's not packed with the antibiotics and the pesticides that are injected and leaching into our current food system. And yet, why is this conversation happening here? Why isn't it on the front page of the New York Times? Why isn't uh, CNN and MSNBC and all these other uh, major media companies looking at this? Have you, can you address that? Like, are you, how are you getting the word out? Because I would hate to say is that, yes, you have a great product, but getting the word out and getting people to accept it, that's a totally different ballgame. And it's just as important because if people don't know about it, if governments and companies don't embrace it, then how are you going to get everybody using this? Absolutely. I think that eventually the most difficult part is having consumers embrace, embrace it. And if I go back to the beginning of what I said, um, we have to provide solutions which are tasty and affordable. And once we have that, consumers will embrace it. I mean, we're talking today with all of the large food manufacturers around. And I can tell you that they are really excited about this. They are just, I mean, the, the, the amount of recru- requests for, for samples from different food companies to test in their products is just overwhelming. I mean, there's so much need in the market for new uh, protein sources, which are uh, uh, flavor and color neutral, uh, that are, are sustainable, that we just have to say to many companies, yeah, we will be very happy to send the samples, but you will have to wait for Q1 of next year. Um, and still we get more requests. Um, eventually governments, I mean, I, as an entrepreneur, um, I'm not waiting for governments to embrace it. Um, I'm not waiting for, for the media outlets to, to promote this. We're working very hard on providing good solutions to, to our customers and to end consumers eventually. Um, I mean, we are, um, th- this is a, an, an uphill uh, battle that we have to face. I mean, eventually it's not that the government, it's not only, the, only that the government doesn't support us, but they actually, as it says, it says they, they subsidize our competition. Um, but we really believe in what we do, and we believe that we have a just cause, and we believe we will get there uh, with, with or without the support of the government. I mean, we're not waiting for that. Um, and I think that the same thing has happened and it still is happening with the automotive industry. I mean, if everyone knew that electric cars are the solution for our automotive industry. But until entrepreneurs and investors really decided to go all the way with this, we didn't have, I mean, the governments, of course, I mean, still the governments subsidize um, uh, regular cars over electric cars. Um, but until, until Tesla came and showed that this could be solved uh, to a level that consumers are willing to, to pay for the cars. There's I mean, a great documentary called Who Killed the Electric Car? In the 90s, there was an electric car. And actually, I know some of the people who were in the documentary who got the cars and then um, a major American automotive manufacturer that created the cars decided, eh, we don't want to be bothered. They, they took the cars back 
some of the people were literally fighting with the cars as they were being moved. They destroyed them and they killed the electric car. And then, uh, you know, ultimately we had to wait the 90s, 2000s. Now we're starting to really embrace electric cars. But uh, that later, that executive said it was the worst decision of his life. Yes. Yeah. We could have done a lot to mitigate climate change if they hadn't done that. Uh, So we can't. And also, it, it kind of accelerated the decline of the American mo- um, automotive industry and allowed other nations to rise up. And it was a fiasco. Uh, but they had the technology, at least the basic technology, and they had actually made a, an electric car. So it's a great documentary, Who Killed the Electric Car? And um, it's the same situation with our food system. But it's so frustrating to read that there are you know, real, real concerns about global hunger. Every time I go and look at my phone, the breaking news, I see a new story about well, the threat of global hunger because of Ukraine, the breadbasket of the world, according to some reports, you know, obviously now war torn and uh, there's all sorts of, and yet you have an answer and nobody's knocking at your door. Meanwhile, um, and this is a bipartisan problem. I'm not blaming any particular administration. Tom Vilsack, has, it's his second go round as the USDA uh, secretary. He was also in the Obama administration. But uh, President Biden just uh, announced recently that he was giving a billion dollars to create more animal slaughterhouses in the United States. Instead of embracing this technology, which could literally, just with skyrocketing food prices in the United States, help lower food prices. What's driving inflation? Uh, along with gas, it's it's higher food prices. So it would be in the self-interest of the U.S. government to embrace your solution. But has anybody knocked on your door and said, uh, hello, we'd like to learn more about this? You're absolutely right. But, but still, let me, I mean, as, again, as an entrepreneur, I mean, no one knocked on Elon Musk's door. Uh, to to ask him if he, if he needed help with developing Tesla, I mean this is the way that I mean I, I just I just see things in a very pro- pragmatic way, and in, as an entrepreneur, and I'm just focused, uh, and our company is focused on and providing a good solution. Um, if we would wait for the government to knock our on our door, we wouldn't be doing this. Um, okay, well that's, and, that's of course, a good, I mean, yeah. Uh, that's a really good answer. And I just I just want to jump forward because I really feel that your what you're offering is a solution to so many problems. And that's why I'm expressing frustration that, you know, why am I not reading about this on the front page of The New York Times? This is huge. Now, you're in Israel. Um, is the Israeli media embracing what you're doing? Um, are you getting the big papers there in Israel to uh, report a little bit on this? Uh, how is the buzz spreading? And a follow-up question, are you planning on going public anytime soon? Um, actually, actually this, this does touch to a uh, kind of a soft point in what we do. I mean, we are, because we're so much focused on developing a good solution, uh, for for the planet, um, PR wasn't our strong point until recently. I mean, still isn't our strong point, but we're now starting to get better with that. And you're exact. I mean, then this is exactly the point. I mean, uh, putting out the word uh, and going out with this is a- as important, if not sometimes more important, 
than developing this solution. I mean, if if Elon Musk uh, wouldn't do such good PR for his cars, he would he would have a very good solution, but no one would buy his cars, and the solution won't be out there. Right. And this is, I mean, and this is a challenge for, especially for very lean uh, operating startups like us, to manage also really doing a good product and um, putting the word out. Um, so, I mean, some some companies only do good PR and don't have really good products. Some companies only have good products and cannot sell it. Um, and trying to balance that is a challenge. Um, and I think as a startup, we're, we're managing that now. Uh, but but yes, I mean, to your question, the media is starting to report on it more and more. I mean, we're, we're here with you right now, <laughs> which is, is part of this process, uh, thankfully. Um, and yes, well, you know, we, we, report on, we report on things. We're a small operation, although we do have a global streaming network. And we would love if you put together some uh, videos about your product. We'd love to stream them on Unchained TV. We're a global streaming network and we're 100 percent nonprofit, 100 percent free. Uh, you don't even have to put your email in. It, we make it very easy. You can download it from your app store on your phone, Unchained TV. You can get it on uh, LG or Samsung smart TVs. You can get it on uh, via Roku device, Apple TV device, Amazon Fire Stick. Our goal is very simple. We want to do an end run around the mainstream media blackout on these issues and get the word out that there is a solution to virtually all of the problems that are plaguing the world right now. It's a very simple solution because the underlying problem is a horribly unsustainable uh, and cruel food system. And uh, as as one of the people in our one of our documentaries said, we're all being factory farmed. We're not just the animals. The consumers are being factory farmed. They need them to get uh, unhealthy and sick so they can perform the operations and sell them the pills. The farmers and the ranchers are trapped, uh, running giant warehouses filled with animals who never see the light of day, who are, uh, they are miserable um, to a large degree. There are many farmers and ranchers who are complaining about uh, modern day factory farming. We're all being factory farmed. And there's a solution right there staring us in the face and we we get the word out, uh, which would be equivalent to somebody in a repressive society back in the 19th century handing out little flyers. Uh, but uh, we also know that once you get something into the ecosystem, you never know where it's going to end up. And uh, so we do hope that by putting it out there, um, it can reach some influencers, whether it's a story shared on LinkedIn or somebody sees it on Facebook or Instagram or reads the article or watches this on iTunes or Spotify. I mean, it gets out there. But this is something that I would think if it were me and you didn't ask me, so please tell me to be quiet. What I would do and coming from a media background is do some videos that explain to dummies like me what this is all about and makes it appetizing so that you start with something that has this weird name that you kind of go, I wouldn't want to eat that. And you show the process and then you end up with a beautiful dish and it's got a different name at the end. Maybe the name is Breville. You know, maybe that's the name of what we're eating. 
because I'd rather eat Breville than microalgae. So um, I would think that, you know, explaining the process and making people feel comfortable with this process would be a big part of it. And, uh, um, you know, I would love to stream something like that on Unchained TV. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. Um, putting the word out is as important, if not more important, than producing the, the product itself. Um, what color is the product? So we, we produce powder, which is basically white, whitish, uh, or yellowish, uh, which blends perfectly well in any food application out there. I mean, this is exactly what's special. The product, it's not this typical green powder you, you would expect. And it's very, I mean, when we send samples to food technologists that work in these companies, they're really blown away. Uh, first, they look at the product. It's not green, so, so they're a bit confused. Then they smell it. It doesn't, has, doesn't have this very strong marine uh, smell. Then they taste it, and they're really blown away. I mean, it doesn't, it tastes actually uh, slightly like, like cheese even, uh, something like, uh, in, something between cheese and peanuts. Um, of course, it's uh, non-allergenic. Um, and then they mix it in their cheese product or yogurt or milk or, or meat alternatives or any, any product out there, and you cannot uh, know that it's there. One of our partners described our protein as a ghost protein. It's there without you knowing it's there. And this is exactly what we want to provide, to provide the solution of nutritional uh, value without changing any other property of the food applications. And have you gotten um, word from big producers of products that they would like to start including this? Yes, absolutely. So we're now signing the first offtake agreements. We actually have a factory which is well underway. It will be up and running in, in the next few months, which will start producing the product at large scales. Um, and we're already signing. I mean, as I said, we have requests from endless companies uh, coming asking for the product. Um, and we will, we will be in products on shelves by the end of the year. I mean, again, we're a B2B company, so we don't, we, it won't be our products on shelves, but the products on shelves will have our protein in them. Wow. And um, when you say you're building this large factory, is that in Israel? It is in Israel. The first one is in Israel. But, but very quickly, we're looking to scale uh, globally uh, with partners to establish large-scale facilities in different corners of, of the planet to provide the protein which is needed in every different geography for different food applications. Now, I mean, the, what, what you mentioned earlier, I mean, why is this still not happening? The, the, the revolution is, is starting. It is happening. I mean, it's not, and it's not only us. I mean, in, I see, I have a good view of the Israeli uh, food tech ecosystem, but also the global. I mean, the, the change is happening. And it's happening quicker, uh, more quickly than we, than we believe. Um, I mean, uh, food 2.0 is just upon us. And this, this will happen. It will, take, it, will, it will take time. Similar to how, again, if you use the automotive example, I mean, changing the whole automotive industry to electric takes time, it takes building the infrastructure, uh, bringing the, 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 the mileages up and the cost down. Um, but this is happening in a few decades. We won't have any petrol cars on, the, on, the, on roads. Mm-hmm. We'll all be electric cars. And the same thing will eventually happen within the food industry as, as well. Not because I want it, but because we have no other choice. So this, this would happen, if we, again, if we like it or not, um, and it, it, is, it is happening and, and, uh, and it is accelerating. I mean, there's well, more and more money pouring into this space with different companies providing excellent solutions. 
Um, and all of these I, I would think are, that is, that you would have some of the brightest minds out there pouring their billions into this. I mean, not that I'm just throwing a name out that I see in the newspaper, Bill Gates, for example. I would think he's the largest private landowner I've heard in the United States uh, buying all this farmland. Uh, wouldn't that be like people who uh, John Doerr, I think is his name. He's another person who wrote a lot about uh, he's written a book about uh, in, uh, the environmental impact of various aspects of our economy, what the solution is. I mean, are these are you in contact with these people? So we're we in contact with funds that they that these people invest in. I mean, many of these people don't invest directly in companies, but through mm -hmm. funds. Uh, so, for example, Bill, Bill Gates invests through a large fund that he founded. Um, and yes, I mean, there's a lot, there's more, there's growing interest, um, and there's more and more money pouring in, not at the at, at a high enough pace. And again, if if you if we can use again the example of the automotive industry, the uh, the automotive industry and the food industry have the si pretty similar footprint in terms of of uh, CO two emissions. And yet, the automotive industry has seen so much more investments. I mean, orders of magnitude more investments than the food industry. And this is because, I mean, cars are much more sexy. Um, it's, uh, these are expensive consumer products. And so the, the returns are uh, um, believed to be higher with, with cars. But uh, this is starting to change. More and more money is pouring into the food industry, the food tech industry. Um, and more and more companies are, are beginning to go to, to market with excellent products, excellent solutions, which are more, more sustainable, more, more healthy. Um, but yes, I mean, more, more investments have to come into this space if we want to see change happening sooner. This is so exciting. And I hope you understand that my frustration is a compliment that uh, when I was reading about this, I was like, yes, this is the solution. Because um, I, I also think that, yes, um, clean meat, slaughter-free meat, lab meat, I wouldn't personally eat it. I've been vegan about a quarter of a century. I have no desire to eat it. But, you know, when you look at the intransigence and uh, the uh, stubbornness of people who want their pound of flesh, you know, okay. But I think that this is a, a big part of the solution. Are there competitors? Are there other people who are also developing this? Other companies? Yeah, so it's a question what we compare ourselves to. So we basically compare ourselves to pea and soy, which are the incumbent uh, uh, protein sources, plant-based protein sources. Um, and we, we are comparable in, in price with pea and soy, which is a big deal in the food industry. Now, there are other excellent companies that grow fungi or yeast or bacteria to produce protein, doing excellent work. And I mean, this is a huge space. It's not a winner takes all. And we wish that all of these, all of these com other companies would succeed as well. I mean, this is a shared goal. Uh, we're not in competition with them on um, solving the, the problem. I mean, everyone is taking their part in solving the problem. I mean, we believe that, we that microalgae in terms of sustainability are still a few steps ahead uh, naturally, from all other solutions, but there may be may, may be a food, food implications where fungi would give a better uh, texture, better uh, a flavor profile, and that's completely fine. I mean, uh, we're, we're happy with other products that that we can provide solutions for. And then there are other companies that you also use microalgae as a protein source, but because they have uh, a more 
uh, a less advanced uh, technology, they cannot provide their protein at cost levels which are relevant for the average consumer. So they are they are they have excellent products, but they are aiming for more high-end products for shakes, for athlete uh, protein uh, powders, for crackers. I mean these kinds of applications. They cannot provide a solution for vegan cheese or uh, oat milk or uh, vegan yogurt for that sense. Uh, uh, where we can, where you might be able to sell it retail, like I. <laughs> I put a lot of powders. I'm putting this this powder in my water in the morning and that powder and making things. I mean, could could this be something where I would add it into a like a shake and get it retail? Yes, the the straight answer is, is yes. Uh, though, if we're looking at where we can really provide impact, uh, so I, we believe that as a B2B company, mm -hmm. we can scale to much larger dimensions and really provide a solution at global scales. Um, and not, not try to sell our product to every retailer. Um, For people who are excited about this, we only have two minutes left. Just give us a preview of what we can expect. Like people are commenting, you know, wow, this is exciting. Uh, I look forward to this. Uh, when can we expect to see this uh, in, a, in, a, in a product? Uh, what, what's gonna happen? You said by the end of the year? Yes, by the end of this year, we will be in products on shelves, um, uh, both in, in Israel and the US and Europe. Uh, it will take time to get to your local store. I mean, this is something that takes time to build and, uh, and scale. Uh, but but look, look at the protein uh, profiles of your products. Uh, next time you go to the shop, compare products, see which, which one is healthier for you, which one has less ingredients on the label. Um, and this is something that is changing. I mean, if you look if you look at products today, and we look at similar products in another year from today, you will see a change, and maybe maybe maybe, maybe pretty soon you will see a Brevelin side stamp on one of your products on, in your grocery store. Final question: Can you go into liquids? Like in other words, we had talked about, and I never like to use brand names, but. Um, Plant-based milks, for example, could you have a plant-based milk that's primarily microalgae, Breville-based? So yeah, this is a funny question because at, so the, now it's uh, evening, late, late evening here in Israel. Earlier today, we sat with the largest uh, uh, beverage producer in Israel uh, for a meeting today. They came to our facility and they're really interested in using our microalgae in, in soft drinks. And so we're going to start working with them on this product as well. I mean, this is happening. We, are, we can provide solutions for, for liquid products as well. And I mean, we believe that we can be the number one choice of protein source for the whole food industry, uh, whether if it's um, uh, plant-based products or drinks or snacks or whatever it will be. I want to thank you. I know you're a very busy man. Um, thank you so much. You give me hope for our world. Uh, Jonathan Golan, Breville, stay on top of it. Visit their website. Just go Google Breville, B-R-E-V-E-L. It's there. So appreciate you. Thank you and man. check Thank out you. Unchained TV and do some videos so we can stream them on Unchained TV. We will. <laughs> okay. Thank Thanks. you so much.
Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. Thank you.